rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right. Wow, wow, wow. What's going on? Yo, yo, yo. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you very much for hanging out. This is our regularly scheduled Saturday evening get-together. We meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Please give the show a good review on iTunes and... Keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it, and live it. Also, become a patron at patreon.com slash taradevlin. This is unapologetic liberal talk, okay? I'm just letting you know. Because we are on the right side of history and the right side of democracy, and we have the policies. Progressives have the policies that not only built the middle class, but can rebuild the middle class and ensure that democracy continues. Nothing less than the grand experiment is at stake. So nothing, you know, no pressure here. Um, I'm going to look. What the hell is going on? What is happening here? Oh, I was going onto the Patreon page. Um, shit, but it's not working. Yeah, they just, a message popped up saying Patreon page, Patreon is experiencing difficulties, so we will be back soon or something. Okay, sorry about that. Well, we didn't really get any new patrons, but I noticed that somebody up their patronage, that doesn't really count as a new patron, but it's very nice of you. I want to thank you, John doing that john c out there so thank you very much john so every time we get a new patron i try to do a new show and that new patron is the sponsor of the show so we'll just say that tonight's show is brought to us by John Campanelli. Is that how you pronounce it? Camp and, uh, yeah, Campanelli. Okay. John C. We'll keep keep it like that. All right. I'm kind of in a pissed off mood. What else is new? Because, oh, thank you too, Jim. I want to thank you, Jim, for your super chat. Come on over to YouTube, everybody. That's where I will be reading the chat, and interacting with people on YouTube. You can also participate or support the show by um, super chatting, which is very nice. That's like putting a tip in the jaw, I suppose. Well, if you like the show. Here's the thing. Um, you guys know it. I know it. Th- I believe this in my heart. I Not only do uh, we got the... We, uh, we have the historical evidence... Without a media, without a liberal media, we're, we don't have a shot. And right now it's pretty slim, the shot that we have. This country is slipping into fascism, okay? We know that. I'm sorry if uh, 
This is something new to you. What is fascism? It is the merger of corporations and state. That is how FDR described it. That's how Mussolini described it. We talk about it a lot. That's why the fascists, what are they doing with the Antifa? What is Antifa? First of all, Antifa is not an organization. It doesn't exist anywhere. Real Real uh, real Americans, real patriots are Antifa. Real patriots are anti-fascist. If you're anti-fascist, yeah, that's uh, as American as mom and apple pie. So, yeah, we're about democracy. But I've been telling you guys forever that in every... Republican chess beats the heart of fascism. I've been saying this for years. I said this when George W. Bush was in power and before. Just knowing the fascists, knowing them, know them by their fruits. So FDR said, we, well, let me see, FDR fascism. Let me get the exact quote. We've talked about it before. But don't be fooled. Don't really um, take them at their word. Show, we see what the Republicans are doing. You see what Trump is up to. He's not kidding around. By a, let me see, by a, uh, it's hard to, that's why I need you guys to become a patron because it's hard to think, talk, type. Oh my God, Tara Jr.'s here. Tara Jr. Jr. So soon in the show, Tara Jr. Jr. shows up. Hi, everybody. Let me see. FDR quote. Oh, yes. Fascists. Uh, that. I'm just trying to find this fucking quote. I should have it handy. That in itself is fascism, right? That's what he said. Hold on. Tara, please. Junior. Mamma mia. Anyway, whatever. This sucks. Already the show sucks. I got the fucking cat. <laughs> I love, I'm not the, I don't mean to say it like that. He's like typing on my keyboard when I'm trying to type and I can't think. I'm trying to type this fucking definition. Somebody in the chat, look up the goddamn FDR definition of fascism and post it. You didn't know that you had to also produce the show, did you? And this fucking thing is falling now. This is bullshit. This show is bullshit, I know. But that's why I say please become a patron and we might actually have a worthy show one of these days. So, but here's the thing. Because without... All right, Junior, I have to put you down. I'm sorry. Go ahead, kid. Take a hike, you're bothering me. Go, go, go. Do I have to? See what I have here? A little spray? <laughs> he doesn't like this. It's... Compressed air for the computer. He doesn't like that. I never spray it. At, I just have to spray it. He doesn't like I don't know what it is. The sound. Maybe it sounds like a hiss. Do I, and if I spray it, he knows. Well, he doesn't like it. He, he goes away from it. So That's my tricks. My cat training tricks. Don't spray the cat it's on its face or anything. Don't. You just have to spray. You just have to go... But you waste your compressed air, though, if you do that. 
Spray yourself. How dare you, Joey Bay, on the chat? Why would I spray myself? <laughs> it's a wonderful spray machine. Uh, wind machine. All right. I wish this was... Wouldn't it be great for this show if we had a normal country where you could just have a show where you can talk about cat training tips and everything else? Of course, I wouldn't give makeup tips. Or I can... I don't know. Talk about music, life, what it means to be alive, what what you do in your spare time. Cooking tips, not that I cook, but life, lifestyle. Jo oh my God, Joey, what the hell? With the gigantic super chat. We didn't even get going on the show and everybody's tuning out. Wow. Thank you, Joey. Joey wins the super chat tonight. <laughs> all right, let me stop with all the sound effects. Thank you, Mama Miho. That's my friend's name, Miho. All right, so I'm pissed off. Let me get my head in the game right before the break. The, the, any minutes, any second now, there's going to be music. But. I'm pissed off because, yes, there won't be a peaceful transfer of power. And I've, you and I, we've been getting to know each other over these months and years, hanging out, doing a show, doing tirades and whatnot, writing me, going on the Discord page. We're getting to know each other. But so you understand, you know what I, my fear, what I fear the most is... Oh, yeah, don't worry. I'll vote for Joe Biden. But um, hopefully he'll win. But here's the thing. If he is not the progressive he promises to be, we will have another fascist follow him. May I mean, maybe, maybe it will follow his vice president. I'm not sure at this point. But make no mistake. There will be another fascist if we do not enact the progressive policies that built the middle class and that protected this country from fascism. And I'm talking about the Democratic Party becoming the party of FDR. The unapologetic party of FDR. But it's not looking good. Guys, I've been monitoring the DNC, the convention. Well, they're having a, they're meeting. The, De the Democratic National Committee is meeting. And the tweets and uh, opinions or whatever coming out of the Democratic Party, uh, out of, I don't know what you're calling it. The it's not a convention. It's the platform committee is not looking good now i don't understand what the hell what i mean a platform is just a statement of i guess ideals um where uh, of you know what it's a, it doesn't really mean anything half the time it doesn't translate into policy but it's a statement of belief it's a rallying cry 
But already the corporate wing of the Democratic Party is, has dug their, he- their heels in. They don't seem to understand. I guess it's like fascism in general. I don't know what they're, um, I, well, thinking that for the Republicans. The, the, I mean, really, the DNC, the corporate wing of the Democratic Party, is really a Republican party. I don't s- really go with names, you know what I mean? I don't care if you call it a Democrat or Democratic. If it has, if it proposes and enacts Republican policies then i mean i'm i'm not that easily played i see the forest through the trees i'm i'm like hey um i'm not going to eat a shit a bag of shit well i don't want i was trying not to curse i apologize I, I keep saying that every time i curse but the it is really true i'm trying not to curse because i'll you know why i'll i'll, I'll tell you cuz i get messages sometimes and somebody messaged on the facebook page maybe they're watching tonight and they said, oh, I have a little radio station. You're, you'd be really good for it, except for all the cursing. So then I say to myself, well, maybe there'll be more opportunities if I don't curse. So that's why I'm trying to keep the cursing to a minimum. As much as most people who um, subscribe to podcasts, they understand. You're, you're buying into, um, you know, a, a PG... Uh, R or PG-13 or R-rated thing is not for kids. It says it right there. But that's why I'm trying not to curse. But it's hard because look where I live. Look at this, this effing country and the state it's in. In the midst of a pandemic where millions have lost their health care, the Democratic Party platform overwhelmingly went against Medicare for all. You're talking about the party elites, you know, the superdelegates, all those who get their, their insider benefits. You know, they'll get the big baskets. They'll get the cushy hotel suites. They'll get their asses licked and kissed. Are they really working for the American people, though? So... The problem is, it's better than Republicans. Of course, look at what they've done. The Republicans are a monstrosity. They are the true fascists. And so, but um, liberal, neoliberal policies are what gave us Twitler to begin with. We're in this boat because for the past and my entire life, from the time I was alive, I was born until today, this country has been on a downward spiral economically. We have been, we, we've been transformed from the most upwardly mobile to the least upwardly mobile. We talk about it all the time. Why? Because it has to get into people's minds. It has to be drummed into everybody's thick skulls, not just you. I'm talking about the DNC, the DLC DNCers who might stumble in here one day. But I'm really kind of sick of them, frankly. They are not the future. You're talking about Medicare for All is an overwhelmingly supported policy 
not just by um, normal people, also by Republicans. When you ask Republicans, do you think that everybody should have health care? They agree. So it's a 70, if the 70% of the American people support Medicare for all. There's no controversy here. In fact, it's a freaking winner. And especially in the midst of a pandemic, the American people are sick of begging on GoFundMe for health care. They are sick of, of, of worrying, of being harassed by collection agencies when they're trying to recover from cancer. I don't care if I, uh, about your tears, Joe Biden. Oh, I, I, I feel your pain. I lost my son. And we, ha- I mean, you lost your son to cancer, then, but you never had to deal with, ins- with the insurance companies saying no or harassing you in collections. So at least your son, he had a fighting chance because Joe Biden, as an insider, he got everything. He gets health care. His family, well, I mean, well, his, I don't know where his son got the health care, but he was a veteran. That's socialized medicine. V- VA health care. So I don't know where he got his, but yeah, it's um, all over the country. Americans are fielding phone calls from collection agencies because they committed the crime of getting sick. This country is sick. That is sick. We are very sick. And it, you know what the original sin is? Greed. It's always been that way. The economic royalists that FDR warned us about. Oh, hi, you're back. Come on. All right. All right. Come up. At least he, he's polite. He taps me on the leg. He's like, hey, 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 can I get up there? Everybody, Tara Jr. Jr., my baby, one of my babies. He's a good boy. Just don't lay on the keyboard, okay? We got a deal? All right. It's disgusting that we have to live in a country where people have to worry about health care. In the midst of a pandemic, these freaks, these greedy bastards, vote down Medicare for all. Now's the time to strike, goddammit, for Medicare for all. There is no better time to push for it. That's your most progressive fucking president. I'm sorry. Oh, shit, you know. (laughs) Ah, stop it. (sighs) Ah. Here's from the Wall Street Journal. Democrats, Democrats, Democrats fend off attempts to back Medicare for all in platform. Democrats fended that off. You mother effers. Documents approved by the party platform committee aligns with presumptive nominee Joe Biden's campaign proposals. Oh, thank you, my lord, for access to affordable you goddamn it. At 
access, if I hear access to affordable health care one more time in my lifetime, it will be too soon. I want to vomit. These people are sick. They made us this way. They have divided and conquered this country and made it ripe for the picking for a dictator-envying, tax-cheating, draft-dodging con man to come on in and tickle those fissures of disunity and tickle all the racist funny bones and rise into the highest office in the land despite receiving fewer votes. The way they do it is they exploit the broken system. And the system is broken. And one of the brokenness, one of the things that is broke is the fact that we have a system of health care that doesn't work for everybody, where some people have health care. And the others got to go beg on GoFundMe. That's, you want to talk about um, how you're going to heal the conscience of this country? Leaving no one behind. That's how you heal it. Everybody in, nobody out. Zero people behind. We got each other's backs. That's what heals the country. Black, white, gay, straight. Catholic, atheist, Muslim, Jewish, whatever. It is what heals the country. Buddhist. Everybody in, nobody out. Not I got access to an affordable bullshit. I, 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 it's so, um, what's, it's so many things. Infuriating. It is all, it, it is so plain to see to how disgustingly greedy and broken and how dare they? How dare Joe Biden and all of his lick spittles propose a policy. This is what they're doing. This is Joe Biden's health care plan leaves 10 million people out. That's the best we can do. Oh, we're the greatest country on earth. Oh, it's really great for the rich. I'm so sick of this shit. And in the middle of a pandemic, when everybody's on the balls of their ass, where we have the worst economic crisis and the most inept group of fascists to ever deceive anybody into giving them a leadership position, are destroying this country from sea to shining sea. And what happens the establishment shills, they're not letting go of power. They don't want to let go easy. They took years, decades. I'm sorry, there goes Junior. He has to, I'm screaming. He doesn't know why I'm screaming. He's got health care. What does he know? They took decades to get us to this point, And they're not going to let go. Consolidating the media or and deregulating the media so it could be consolidated, so they could buy, so corporations could buy the media, so they could disseminate their propaganda. So we have to we, we sit there listening to 
bullshit. Listening to, oh, well, uh, we can't have Medicare for all because some people have health care and they like their health care. They don't, they like their health, they like, I, I want to, I really want to, my mind, oh my God, I really want to, my, my head to blow up. Every time I hear on corporate media how much people love their private health insurance, this is what I had to put up with. We all did for months when Bernie was still in the race. Uh, every morning on, on MSNBC, listening to Willie Geist go on about how much he hates, I mean, how much he, he well, he's speaking for the American people because, you know, he's like what? He's just like one of us. He is, he's us in the ivory tower. He's us if we had a cushy job thanks to, to nepotism and we sat in the ivory tower trickling on the peons, telling them that they Love their private health insurance. Nobody loves private health insurance. I would like to meet them. See, I'm, now there goes my headphones. I want to know. I never met anybody. I've been out here. I've been on the front lines. I've been in the communities. I live in a working class community. My father was a freaking garbage man. Tell me, who likes their private health insurance? I never met the one. But Willie Guy says, says they're legion. Son of a bitch. And the they, they finally calmed down about it because Joe Biden, they, were, they consp all got Joe Biden. He's the man of all the people. Three-time loser. Oh, we, you know, the Democrats said no thanks two times before, but now he's on... He's on uh, target to have an incredibly overwhelming victory, a landslide victory in November. That's why Twitter wants he's he's going to cheat. He's attacking the post. I mean, they're doing it. It's happening. Yes, there will not be a peaceful transfer of power, just like Michael Cohen told us in his testimony. He told us this. He said it right out. He said, there will not be a peaceful transfer of power. He's incapable of it. Twitler's incapable of losing. He's, he is a loser his entire life. So what would make this any different? To lose and still keep power. That's his MO. So he's setting it up. And even if he loses, the entire country will lose. Because he will not, he will tell all his morons and all the America haters who follow him that it's an illegitimate election. And in, in my opinion, at this point, I'm like, good, break this country up. I am tired of fighting these albatrosses hanging around our national necks. But I'm also tired of... The uh, it's not a circular firing squad. I'm tired of talking to dem so-called Democrats about becoming uh, about adopting or whatever. Um, I, I I'm still asking. For, first of all, if there is a Democrat, somebody who considers himself a Demo if there's a Joe Biden Democrat listening to this podcast. 
I'm not asking you to, uh, I'm not going to abuse you or scream at you. I just want to know what it is. I want to know what it means to, for, to you to be a Democrat. What does that mean to you? I'm still trying to figure that out. Why they, what is it? And why, and if, whatever it is, why Joe Biden, okay? We know why Joe Biden, because the corporate media could not abide a Bernie Sanders and the, corp- and the corporations that own the media. They worked really hard concentrating wealth and power and owning government and buying government and getting rid of laws and deregulating media and ensuring that they could deregulate the campaign finance laws so they could buy politicians openly and corrupt government openly. So they're not going to go kindly and gently back into some sort of um, uh, having power to the people. You see, it's not enough for them. I ask this all the time. Joe, I mean, uh, Bob Kincaid and I, when we talk, we talk about this stuff too. And I say, we, we came to the conclusion. We always say this. How much do they want? The answer is they want it all. What do you mean, how much do they want? Of course, they want it all. Who are they? The big moneyed interest, the elite, those who are rich, the one effing percent. They don't work that hard to keep power and, in concent- and concentrate wealth and power into their hands so they could avoid taxes and buy politicians, use their mad money to buy politicians not to tell these lickspittles to ensure that in, in order, because um, let's say a one percenter says, you know what, I, I don't want to be cropped at the neck by an uprising of the people. So do us all a favor, politician pets, and ensure that when you're writing laws, you make them fair and equitable for the millions of Americans. Because not only do I fear being a head shorter, I also believe in this country. I love my country. You don't hear them saying that. They love their country? My ass. There's no borders for them. Thanks to who? Oh, it's not, it's not just Reagan. Clinton put the nail in the coffin out of that. That's your, your neoliberal Democratic Party who took the strength of the unions, the working class. That was the Democratic Party's backbone for generations. That's why the Democratic Party was a winning party. It FDR. The, the, the Republican Party was in the wilderness for 40 years. And what happened? What? Why? Why would a effing Bill Clinton knock the freaking knees right out from under the union move? The u- unions themselves. That's why. 
we went from a 35 unionization rate in this country to below 7%. And guess what? Did that, does that shut the effing Republicans and the corporatists up? And the fascists? Are the, do the fascists ever shut up about unions? No. They constantly attack unions. It's not enough. You know why? Because they want it all. They don't want you having a decent life. You are a pawn. You are nothing but grist for the mill. You are an inconvenience to them. If they could slice and dice you up on that assembly line and kick you right in after all the pigs and hogs and chickens they murder too or whatever, they'd do it. If they could get rid of you, they'd do it. They want you to, that you're just, a, you're, you're, not, you're nothing. You're not a human. You're not a fellow American. They're full of crap. They live in, an, uh, in a world uh, all their own. It's never enough. They're very sick people. And that's why, you know, we need a liberal media. I'm telling you guys, we will never, ever win. Unless we, we have this message that we pr- promote here, the truth. The real, the patriotic truth. Unless this thing is on everybody's uh, mind, that everybody understands that a country that works for some doesn't work for all. Freaking unbelievable. Some people get to retire, and some people have what? This is this health care. Some people have education. I mean, that's not the way you run a functioning democratic republic. So what we talk about here, everybody in, nobody out. You don't throw subsidies at people, and, they, and you don't throw platitudes at, um, at, at, at fissures, at open, gaping wounds in this country. You know, like Joe Biden, he thinks, now, here, hear me out here. It's, oh, let me just play something. I was watching MSNBC, and they were, of course, oh, the veep stakes, the veep stakes. The polls and the veep stakes. How you doing? How you doing? With the polls and the beef steak, that putting food on your table? Is that getting you medical care? No? Oh, okay. Well, uh, the polls and the beef steaks, the MSNBC, they interviewed people, you know, because Joe Biden has, he has promised a female VP. That is a policy now, you see? That's as good as it gets. Oh, well, isn't it great? We have a female VP in the least upwardly mobile with the widest income gap of all of our Western democracies. Oh, there's a female VP on a country that is the second worst place to raise a family. Isn't that wonderful? 
But here's here's a woman who she wants a black woman as a VP, and she's not letting it. She's not having it any other way. Because we only have two choices at this point, that's why I'm going with Joe Biden. But I also say I feel Joe Biden does need a African-American woman vice president. I say that because the state of the nation, I feel like having a woman as a VP will be very important in that strive in healing this country. And he's really? Am I missing something here? I guess so. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I would love, I really would love actually to be so placated, so easily played where I think, oh, okay, great. A woman. What does that woman stand for? Now, you understand what it, what, what's going on here in this corporate media clip over here that they, that, that it doesn't matter what the woman stands for, what she's done, what she promises to do, who she is, what, what are her values? What does she think the Democratic Party is? Is she an FDR Democrat or this whatever the hell else a Democrat is? I don't understand. I, I am asking this sincerely. What is a Democrat? If you're not for Medicare for all, what the F are you for? What's, what is it mean to be a Democrat if you don't believe that everybody in, nobody out is the only patriotic American way? But... Now we are settling. We settle for platitudes. Oh, great. A female VP is now a policy. Check. I got it. Well, the Republicans can play that game too. Well, they got females. That's what Sarah Palin was, right? Oh, she was a female. How you feeling about her? Why don't you put her in there? You know, it was also Joe Biden that said he, he would he would happily pick a Republican as a running mate because that's what they think. They think that America is divided because we're not effing Republican enough. We're not concerned. We're not reaching across the aisle and taking their shitty ideas enough because it's not enough, right? That's what's wrong with the country, that there isn't enough of us adopting crappy, kiss-up, kick-down Republican ideas. And they don't have any ideas, I uh, really, but I'm, I lack another word. They have one idea, make the rich richer and divide and conquer. Well, that's, a, that's really a tactic, though. So let's continue with this lady. Look, I've got four African-American women on my short list, uh, but regardless, African-Americans, the expression he used is uh, they, they brought me to the dance um, and they will be they will be recognized in this administration, quite possibly with uh, senior positions in the cabinet. Would that be satisfactory to you? No, I want him to select. He narrowed it down to four people. He said he's already committed. It's going to be a woman. I want him to my opinion, I want him to select 
an African-American woman. It's time. Mary Catherine, what do you think about a woman as vice president? Oh, I'm, I'm for a woman being president. <laughs> you know, um, I, I agree. But what I really am for is the best person for the job, regardless of race, color, gender, um, sexual orientation. And what does that mean? What do they stand for? They don't stand for Medicare for all, I guess. They don't stand for getting rid of corporate money. That's another thing that the Democratic Party platform that they voted down. You get what's going on here? The Who is that guy? I can't remember his name. He's the gay... Um, He's so annoying. Oh, yeah, Barney Frank. He's on the committee. And, oh, well, let me read this art, this article here. Where the heck is it? Bernie, this is from Politico. Biden and Bernie forces clash during convention meeting. Disgusting, disturbing, and unacceptable, said Nina Turner, Sanders' former campaign co-chair. By Holly Utterbean. A Democratic Party meeting that leaders hoped would project unity weeks ahead of the national convention instead broke out into a behind-the-scenes feud over corporate money and politics. At a virtual gathering of a key committee for the Democratic National Convention, Bernie Sanders' allied members said Joe Biden appointees called them children and made other rude comments in a break breakout room where they were talking privately. Well, yeah, because we're children. This is what they do. It's we're children because we want an FDR-style Democratic Party that leaves no one behind. That's just so out of bounds. It's so infantile, you see. This is what they're trying to say. Because we got to be adults and take corporate money. That's the message. You know, we're playing in the real world, so we have to take money from corpor corporations. That is why they call Bernie Sanders supporters in the Democratic National Committee children. Oh, be adults and understand that we have to take corporate money because that's the playground. That's the sand where the sandbox we're playing in. You don't have to do it. Yeah, right, on uh, chat, Paradu says, big kids take corporate money. Right, oh, we understand we, we, the way the world is. One hand washes the other in this kiss-up, kick-down, circle-jerk of power. Well, I went out today. That's why I'm wearing this o AOC shirt, because I was canvassing. Well, I was helping, because AOC is my representative. I got a shirt for participating, knocking on doors, asking people to register for the census but um she didn't take any corporate money bernie didn't take any corporate money she un and and well aoc unseated a, a an entrenched corporate lick spittle yeah he was okay Bef uh what what now i can't oh joe crowley he was my representative and i remember ah oh, I was okay with him. I would have voted for him again. He wasn't bad. This community is, it's a working class community, solidly. 
It's an immigrant community. There's a, it is one of the most diverse, culturally diverse neighborhoods in the country. And, um, you know, it's not a radical socialist community as far as I know. But people are working class and, you know, uh, AOC put in the legwork. She knocked on doors. She committed not to take corporate money. And that is what got her the vote. Because people are tired. We understand. You know, we're not stupid. You know what? We are not children. We understand that when you take corporate money, you will owe a favor. You will pick up the phone. You will ensure that you will please your billionaire benefactors. Right. Steve on the chat says platforms have no weight. Absolutely. Which is why it's baffling to me. And it's also concerning why they would be so, why they would so vehemently push, um, vote against policies that have overwhelming support. Another thing that they voted down was um, legalization of marijuana. Now that's a no-brainer. That is something they that this is why Repu- the Democrats are dumb. Uh, well, maybe they're not dumb. Maybe they're just corporate and corrupt, like uh, other politicians. Not all. I mean, yeah, okay, they're not as bad as fascists. I get it, but they are. Um, kind of tickling the same funny bones of fascism, but uh, marijuana legalization, putting that in your platform is something that would activate and motivate young people, especially, to go to the polls. This is what the Republicans did for years. They would constantly put... These divisive, well, issues. They will put an abortion, something abortion-related on the um, on the vote. They would have a referendum or something. They would put make sure it was in, it was on the ballot on the on voting day, so that on election, whatever. Not just uh, it's not always whatever. You know what I'm saying? They would always make sure that it was on the ballot. So people, if they weren't necessarily interested in politics, you know how people are. They say, oh, but I am very, um, I'm all about the babies, except, well, I'm all about the pro-birth. Once they're born, they're on their own. So they would motivate people to go to the polls. Or they they would put anti-gay ballots, measures on the ballot. That was another thing that would keep people that would activate their base. What? What? What's wrong with the Democrats? Why wouldn't they do that? You know why? I'm telling you right now. Because they think that their winning strategy is appealing to right-wingers. You understand? They have absolutely no interest in appealing to their base. They don't like their base. They want, not like Republicans. Republicans fear their base. So much so that they 
I mean, look at them. They're disgusting. And and proudly so. So that's why. That's why they wouldn't put marijuana legalization, even though it's a winner for the Democratic Party. It's a winner for the youth vote. That's what we need. But now, let me see. See how the, how badly this failed. Nation D D and C. Yep, 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 yep. From an uh, where the heck is it? From a a website called Marijuana Moment, Democratic Party delegates reject marijuana legalization amendment to the 2020 policy platform. The DNC's platform committee on Monday rejected amendment calling on the party to support marijuana legalization as an official 2020 policy plank. Several delegates testified in favor of the proposal, arguing that legalization and ending the war on drugs will help resolve racial inequities and stimulate the economy. Right? It's a winner all around. I don't smoke. I don't smoke marijuana. I don't take drugs. You all know that. I'm in recovery. But... Anybody can see that, yeah, this is a winning policy. First of all, why? Why have marijuana? Why is it illegal? It was a racist-ass goddamn policy to begin with. And if you want to heal racial division in this country, they don't have any interest in that. They think that a fucking, oh, God, I'm sorry, a female VP, that's the policy, guys. That's the policy. What do you mean legalize marijuana, Medicare for all, take no corporate money? We got a female VP. What else do you want? What more do you fuckers want? Oh, God, I got to stop. What more do you people want? What do you expect from us, miracles? My God. We got to live in the real world. Don't be children, you know, and expect a government that works for more than the 1%. Children. What are you, babies? You mean you want, you want health care like the rest of the world? What's wrong with you, baby? You want, you demand uh, a government that not like it is now. You demand a government that actually responds to the interests of the working class? Are you a baby? Are you a baby or something? Bah! I need a baby sound effect. And I need one fast. See, I wish I had known that I was such a baby. I would have had these sound effects ready. Are you a baby? You mean you don't want to go on GoFundMe to help, to beg for health care? You baby. Like the rest of the world doesn't have to do that. Imagine that. Imagine getting sick and not thinking. The first thought being, I hope I can afford this. Imagine that. Like that lady, we, we reference her. I read that article two times the lady who had her face ripped off by a bear 
And her first thought was, not, can I survive this, but can I afford this if I survive? That's a sick-ass country. We're very, very sick. I don't know if you know that. And these are the policies that make us sick. We're sick because of greed. It ultimately comes down to that. And here's another thing. And this is why the, this show and shows like it are, are ex- essential. They're vital. We can't win without it. And even if we, I mean, no, I was going to say even if it's, a, it's up for grabs. That's not true. What we have to do is people need to be educated. The hearts and minds. This is all common sense. And we have to um, promote and explain our policies as the patriotic imperatives that they are. God damn it. So there's nothing patriotic. This is the other thing. I for because of the show, I mean just in general, shows like this, we have to get the Democratic Party, the sick ass Democratic Party, the, the the DLC Democrats, to it has to get to the point where they understand that they take their own lives in their hands if they dare propose policies that leave 10 million people behind that don't work for all. I mean, I don't understand what is so hard about looking at the winning history when the Democratic Party was a winning party. Looking at that history and following that agenda. But that goes to show you. What does uh, Biden says? Oh, well, you brought me to the dance. He's talking to black women and black people. And you brought me to the. What are you going to do, Biden? I don't get it. What are you going to do? You're going to throw a subsidy at something. That's what he'll do. He's going to show you. It's like he'll he'll show you his cabinet. Look, I have some high level um, black people in the cabinet. Look at that. Look, see, what are you complaining about? What do you mean, Medicare for all? What do you mean you don't want to go on GoFundMe for health care? I got a black person in the cabinet, bitches. What are you talking? Don't be a baby. There you go. We want what? No corporate money. No corporate money? What? No, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, it's baffling to me. But there you go. Now, here, the other thing is, um, the fact is, when, I mean, well, here you go. Oh, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Come on. He keeps tapping me on the leg. That this is Tara Jr. Jr. Everybody, for those on the chat, say hello, Tara Jr. Jr. 
He's a good boy. I'm sorry. He's just a good boy. What can you do about it? There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to accept it. Right? You just got to go with it. Go with it. Right? Oh, my God. No corporate money. Ah. God help us. Okay, so here... The, all right, stop that, Junior. He's pushing the freaking microphone out of my face. The problem is that... We know the truth. The neoliberal policies are what brought us to this point. Okay? We are in this boat thanks to the kiss-up, kick-down, I got mine, sucks to be you, oh, well... So here's a subsidy, sucker. Neoliberal policies that made Twitler possible. They made him, him possible. And they will make him possible again. And I don't mean Twitler. Once Joe Biden becomes the president and does nothing, he has a black VP, whoopee freaking doopy. And here's a subsidy... He's not going to be as uh, as um, egregiously, openly uh, corrupt and fascist and out of control. The American people will get to breathe for a second, and they'll think everything's going nice. Meanwhile, what's going to be happening on the right wing? They'll still be pounding and pounding the table, screaming about socialism. They will still be lying to their um to their victims. They will still continue. I mean, now they'll have Twitler. He'll be one of them. He'll be the number one appearance uh, on every right wing fascist propaganda outlet from sea to shining sea. And they'll continue to talk about how they've been robbed and what victims they are. And, and the gap between rich and poor will continue to get wider. The American people will continue to have no health care. The working class will continue to slip lower and lower on the ladder. The wants and needs of working people will continue to have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy as it does now and because there will still be those fissures of disunity and the kiss-up, kick-down economy that only works for some the next fake-ass populist, the next Republican who gets into office and there will be of another fascist. And he'll come up right behind Joe Biden and whoever else. Let's, let's say the Joe Biden's VP. But that fascist will be a capable one. They'll be able to control themselves. And <clears throat> by that time, guys, it's done. We're done. There is no hope. We'll be... Forget it. We'll we'll beat Mexico on the worst place 
to where, to raise a country. The stats that we're looking at now are abysmal. And into those statistics, this is what makes me sick. Th- th- that woman who was on MSNBC declaring that she must have a black female VP, I, I wonder if she knows that the United States just ranked next to last in the developed world, the worst place, the second to worst place to raise a family on the, on, on the grounds of not having health care, not having sick leave, not having days off, not having living wages, not having retirement, not having a decent middle-class life that the rest of the world takes as their right of citizenship, not a privilege of wealth. So that's what's going to happen. And don't tell, you know, let me, I don't want to say I told you so. But that's the world the DNC is preparing for us. That's the table they are setting for us. I said it before. When Hillary Clinton was running, this is why it was for Bernie. And and you know what? It annoys the hell out of me that Bernie is silent now. Where is he? He's playing this unity thing. We got to be unified. It's ridiculous. It's um. You're either on the right side of history or you're not. You're on the right side of humanity or you're not. Because I guess there are, I mean, and the, the truth is we understand that there are a lot of so-called Democrats, people who consider themselves Democrats, while I don't, they can't explain why, they, they're not for Medicare for all, they're not for education for all, they're not for retirement for all. I don't know, what does that mean to be a Democrat? And I don't know if you're a Democrat and you're not for the pillars of how it how a democracy functions. Then I don't understand what. Anyway, I don't get it. I don't get. That's why I'm 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 openly asking. I'm not I'm not being facetious i'm being sincere i want to know i want to understand what you think it means to be a democrat if that's what you believe if you believe that health care for some is democratic and living wages for some is democratic and living in the least upwardly mobile country with the widest income gap country uh, and that's democratic uh, how how show me it doesn't work what we're talking about are it's uh, aren't just nice things it's not just oh isn't wouldn't that be great wouldn't that be nice and isn't that fair and moral as it is yes it is it, it certainly is but it's also a patriotic imperative if you want to have a functioning goddamn democratic republic. There goes the cat again. He can't take it. He can't take the screaming. 
I can't either. My voice is gone already. It's not even halfway through the show. I'm baffled. And I'm really freaking pissed off, too. I'm pissed off at the corporate lickspittles who... They should be hanging their heads in shame. You understand? But they're not because they think, they literally think, they actually do. They think this, that they didn't win against the most disgusting human scum on the planet because of progressives, you see. And when, which is bullshit, and when... The um, when Joe Biden wins, he's set up to win. Well, let's see. I mean, we don't never know, I guess, until the day. But as it stands, it looks like, and this is why Twitter is whining and crying, like a like because he is a he's setting it up to um, delegitimize his loss, his historic loss. But the fact is, I could run Tara Jr. Jr. as the Democratic candidate, and he would win in an overwhelming landslide. Because this isn't about Joe Biden. Nobody's pining for Joe Biden. They're pining to get rid of the goddamn tax-cheating, draft-dodging, dictator-envying con man. So... Which makes, I don't know. So, but, but here, here, here. This is where I'm going. The, um, the corporate Democrats, they see this as um, confirmation that they're right. That the way to win an election, they're going to take this and say, the way to win an election is to be Republican light. That... Forget that Medicare for all. Nobody likes that, you see? Because, look, we got an overwhelming landslide here. And we were against Medicare for all. We were against marijuana legalization. And we were against not taking corporate money. And they're going to say, see, we're healing this country. The way to heal the country is being... A Republican. It's not even Republican light. What's Republican? Because Republican, they are just being Republican. When we say Republican light, there is no Republicans anymore. You could be, it doesn't take much to be to the left of a fascist. So the filthy, disgusting Republican Party is an irredeemable, greed-centered death cult. So, okay, the Democratic Party now thinks that they're going to win and heal the country. They're they're reaching out. They're going to show everybody, oh, we have to be unified. But you know what effing unifies people? What You know what would really, actually, truly, forever and ever, amen, heal this broken country? Or at least it would be a start. I'm telling you. You know what? Medicare for all. Universal higher education for all. Sick leave for all. 
vacation time for all, retirement for all, socialist security for all, the guaranteed right to a living wage, a decent health care, a decent life, FDR's second bill of rights, in a nutshell. That's what would heal this country. Because we'll find out really quickly that just like in FDR's day, People don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. They want a decent life. And what really heals this country isn't a, isn't an R, I don't know, is it aren't or is it? Aren't platitudes or tokens. We have had them our entire existence. There's been the token. Tokens aren't policies. Tokens do nothing. They may inspire a couple of people. I mean, look, Jesse Owens ran, he ran the, in, the, in the Olympics in 1930, goddamn what? What was it, 1939? Right? Was that Olympics? All right, Junior, here he comes again. What is wrong? He keeps wanting to come back. Oh, 36, 36. All right, come on. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. You don't know where I live. Tara Jr., you live in your own world where you're like, food goes in here. Food goes in here. Food goes in here. Did you know that? <laughs> That's all he cares about. Yeah, we had Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics. What did that do? Did that, was that a policy? Did that change anything? That showed people, oh, wow, look. There's Hitler. He says he's he's got the master race. Oh, well, and here comes Jesse Owens proving them wrong, but it didn't mean anything. We still had Jim Crow. We still had this racist-ass country. He still Jesse Owens still had to go home and get to the back of the bus. So what's the policy? The problem with this country, first of all, we know it. It's the it's racism. We've had a long-ass history of being a bunch of racist hypocrites. So how do you heal that? It's not just giving us somebody to look up to. That helps. But it all, uh, what really helps, what really heals us as a people is... Um, policies where we know we are um, well what's the word like let's say e pluribus unum is not just a platitude we live by our national motto out of many one we are in this together we are diverse we're we may be different we but we are I don't know I'm saying different Diverse, different, same thing. But we may be different, but we are united. United States, we're in it together. Everybody in, nobody out. To me, it seems like so goddamn simple. Holy shit. Let me check in with you guys on the chat because I've been neglecting you. 
Mm. Uh oh. <laughs> K Taz says it seems like something has happened to Tara ever since Bernie left the race. First, she dumps all over John Lewis the day after he passed away, and then. Am I dumping? I don't know. I, sh I maybe I could have held off a little bit before. It's not dump. It's not about Bernie either. It's about saving this country from the next fascist who will be rising <laughs> after Joe Biden if he doesn't do anything to change it. Am I dumping? Let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not saying there's. Um, it's not good to have a black woman vice president. I'm just saying that that's not policy. There also has to be. There we need progressive policies. And as far as dumping, dumping on John Lewis, I I don't know. Whatever. I like. I just call it the way I see it. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? I think John Lewis can take it. He took a billy club to the skull. You think he could take some constructive criticism as well? This is what I think is wrong with this country. And that's why I do a show and why I think that other that people listen. That we're... Um, you know, even his last, we, we read, I'm not trying to, I gave him all the credit for being somebody on the front lines, for putting his body on the front lines, by putting his, uh, what was that, uh, stopping the machine in that sense. But I'm, tr I'm looking, what else? All of uh, the Voting Rights Act, he didn't, here we are again. The conscience of, this of the Congress, supposedly, doesn't do much to inspire Republicans to, to, to fix the Voting Rights Act that they destroyed. But they all had glowing things to say. Um, I don't think I'm as easily uh, placated, I guess. Especially... Because, in my opinion, we're talking about the end of democracy here. We're the end of, of the grand experiment. The end of <laughs> being able to do anything about it. Do anything about what b the big, powerful interests who have always had their f greedy fingers on our throats doing anything about them. I don't know. Maybe you're happy with living in the least upwardly mobile country that is just voted, well, not voted, where um, it was rated the second to, to worst, the second worst place to raise a family in the developed world. Out of 30, I think it was 35 countries, we came in 34th. That's that's real. You know what else that is? Those that's lives. That's people. That's needless death. You know when I read the statistics about 
the health insurance racket, how every year the health insurance racket needlessly kills 35,000 Americans, needlessly, people who could have lived. You might know somebody like that. I know I do. I know I've read about them. I've heard them. I, how, many, how, how many families in pain? How many, uh, how many things? How many, how, I mean, how many um, songs were never written? How many walks and talks were never had? How many tears were shed needlessly? That's what we're talking about. An entire country that has PTSD. But we also have this, I believe, I think we're in a sense of denial too. That's part of the whole scam, the way that they they, um, tell us how great we are. Well, we, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's great when... The wants and needs of the working class have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy when we make billionaires while the million but while the middle class sinks lower on the ladder and now the middle class is below 50% of the population and something that actually annoyed me too when I was looking at Twitter so the post office, we know the post office is under attack by the conserv- by, by the fascists. They always hated the post office. They've hated it for years. It's the most unionized workforce. It also connects the country. And Republicans can't have that. The, it, it promotes a, fi- a um, community spirit that Republicans hate. And it's not believe it or not, I mean, it runs on stamps, on the profits from stamps, but it's not a profit-making, it's a non-profit organization for the most part. And they hate that. It delivers mail to uh, um, areas of the country that are not profitable for the for-profit corporations that also deliver things like UPS and FedEx, they drop their stuff off with the U- with the United States Postal Service to go to these underserved communities, these communities where they uh, UPS and, and FedEx don't go to because it's not worth their money. It's not profitable. There's a, a Native American tribe that lives on the bottom, uh, on the floor of the Grand Canyon. The United States Postal Service takes mail to that community on a mule train. So Republicans hate that. It's a, it costs money to take the mule train down there and deliver the mail, but that's the United States Postal Service. Neither rain nor sleet nor snow. Or it, it's important to have government government institutions that, that like that that connect the community also the post office the postal worker is one of the most respected is it i don't know the word uh not anymore I, i'm not sure but i re- i remember reading the post office is the most 
I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, I guess my maybe it's respected government office or government institution. Yeah, organization. Let me see here. Hmm. I'm just getting all these articles about how the post office is under attack. But I remember reading something like that. The American people highly rate the postal service. Of course you do. You send a, you put a stamp on an envelope, it gets across the country in two days for 40-something cents. That's incredible. But Republicans hate that, and that's why they are undermining the post office, attacking it. They've been attacking it for years. We know that. First, the Bush administration. They inserted a poison pill into the post office to force the Postal Service to pay 75 years of health benefits in advance, prepay for 75 years of health benefits, meaning for people who have yet to be born. No other corporation, private or public or whatever, has would would saddle themselves with such a burden. But the Republicans did that to the post office so they can whine and cry and scream that it's broken. But that's what they do. They break it and then they cry that it's broken and use that as an excuse to destroy it. This is why they're just do what they're doing to this country. And the uh, the the whole entire notion of voting, they've been attacking that for for generations. But the post office, um, Trump put one of his lick spittles in charge. And they are now, uh, he, he saddled the post office with all these uh, ridiculous burdens, sl- deliberately slowing down the mail delivery. Because that's what they do. It's like what they do with Social Security, too. They underfund, they defund the Social Security Administration. So when you call Social Security... You don't get a person, you get a voicemail, and then they get to you when they get to you. And you start thinking, well, this doesn't work. Let's privatize it. Isn't it better when somebody wants to make a buck? Because that's the only thing that Republicans are motivated by. They don't give a crap about you. And they wouldn't do a goddamn thing unless somebody can suck some profit out of it including your goddamn tumors. Nothing is worth doing unless somebody can suck profit out of it, right? Even when your health is concerned. So the post office, forget that it is the oldest government institution. It is older than the United States itself. Founded by, what, uh, by Ben Franklin? Yes, but Republicans hate, hate, hate America. Is this the end of the show? Oh my God, guys, on Progressive Voices, become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. And you can listen to the rest of the show on iTunes or YouTube or SoundCloud. 
Remember what I say, we stick together, we win. That's what we're talking about here. We're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of democracy. We're on the right side of humanity. And we will win. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. And I will see you soon. Damn, that went by fast. I blinked. All right. Yeah, uh, according to The Observer, an article by Susan Bigler, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from their swift completion of their appointed rounds. This is the traditional motto of the U.S. Postal Service inscribed in the main postal building in New York City. It's an institution which is now being undermined by its own government. Since the official postal system for the American colonies, soon-to-be states, was established in 1775 by the Second Continental Congress, it has been a respected organization with none other than Ben Franklin as its first postmaster general. See, I, I was saying this. This is what I was saying here. It was indispensable in the unification of the colonies and the success of the revolution and the birth of our nation. It continues to be indispensable today, providing an essential service service for every American. No business that runs on profit alone would deliver to the remotest regions of our land for the cost of a forever stamp. This is what I was saying. I didn't even know I was going to read this article. Throughout its history, the Postal Service has played an important role in the development of our nation, from the Pony Express to the railroads to supporting the war effort with saving stamps. Now, our historic Postal Service is under attack. Held in high regard for all this time, it has struggled in the recent years to adjust to the transition to electronic communication. Well, that's also, I'm a little, I'll explain. It's not really true. The uh, It wasn't email. That's the thing that the Republicans said when they undermined the Postal Service with this poison pill bill. They said, oh, the Postal Service is going out of business, bankrupt because of email. Everybody's sending letters through email. Bullshit. In fact, because I know people who work for the Post Service. My mother, after she was a nun, she worked for the Postal Service. My uncle works for the Postal Service. My cousin is a mail carrier. I have many people in my family who work for the post office. I understand, not just that, not just anecdotally. I understand because I read about it. I'm interested in it. And I am one of these Americans who respect the Postal Service. And I understand how much it's been under attack by right-wingers for all those reasons, for being a community connector for being a unionized workforce, for being something, an example of government that is respected and needed and that em- is emblematic of the fact that not everything that, I- I- that we do should uh, or needs to be tied to the profit motive. There's higher motivations than profit. Like connecting a community. Like having a country that's connected. However remote. 
you may live. Jeez, that's what civilization's all about. You get it? But Republicans, they use the Postal Service. Why don't they pull themselves up by their bootstraps straps, and deliver it themselves? Or pay. You want to send something to a remote area? Pay. Pay FedEx. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Go pay somebody to deliver it. No, they want to take all the benefits of civilization, but they don't want any of the responsibilities that we have to each other as they undermine and attack. Like termites in our in, in our house. Where the local post office used to be the town hub and the postmaster respected, well-known community leader, the post office has become something to avoid. As an online postage company likes to advertise, postal carriers were welcomed friends, helped and looked out for our neighborhoods, and now they're pushed by such tight schedules that they dare not even wave hello. The tight schedules are a result of the Postal Service trying to operate under an impossibly austere budget because of the steep decline in first class um, and marketing mail and because of a 2006 congressional requirement that the Postal Service pre-fund its retiree benefit plan 75 years into the future. No other agency has ever been made to do that. The Postal Service depends completely on postage revenue to run. It receives no tax money. Not many people know this. To borrow and often use President Trump, so-called Trump phrase. One of the as well, I mean, well, so-called president. I mean, one of the aspect of wait, wait. The one aspect of the electronic communication age is that. It, has helped the Postal Service keep going is the rise of online ordering. And that's what I was going to say because my my cousin, who anecdotally, you know, he tells me that it's uh, his, it, the work has increased over the, his time being in the Postal Service. He's been there like 20 years. so Because people are ordering nonstop. They're ordering things. Delivery, delivery. It's not about email. Who the hell was sending people letters? Yeah, you still send cards to people on their birthdays and whatnot, but email, email, email. That's what they were saying. Oh, the rise of email. No one sends letters anymore. Well, they're sending delivery packages like uh, like it's going out of style, like nobody's ever seen. The arrangement. Okay, here we go. This is what. I was saying, my cousin told me this too. Amazon, they use the postal service. Okay. So it's not always being delivered by an Amazon delivery person. One aspect of the electronic communication age that helped the postal service keep going is the rise in online ordering, especially Amazon.com, which has the postal service make its last mile deliveries for them. This arrangement brings in savings revenue to the Postal Service, but also saves Amazon on their shipping costs, which gets passed on to the consumer. It's a win-win. But Trump doesn't see it that way. He's been hostile to the Postal Service ever since he had a falling out with Jeff Bezos. This is where we live. The government is used to carry out personal vendettas of a thin-skinned, tax-cheating con man. Okay? 
because we're great. That's how great we are. And what I can't go. Oh, my God. It's, it's not. Oh. He has held a vendetta against Bezos and Amazon and by association, the post office. He's accused Amazon of being subsidized by the by the post office, which is false. He continues to demand that the Postal Service raise, raise package rates by 400%, which would only drive away Amazon and other parcel customers. Anyway, postal rates are governed and set by an independent federal regulatory commission. Nevertheless, Trump's pushed former Postmaster General Megan Brennan for the increase, but she held fast. Not one to be denied his way upon her retirement, he had, appoint a, he had appointed a close supporter, a campaign contributor, and a Republican convention fundraiser, Louis DeJoy, as the 75th Postmaster General. Yeah, that's your heir to Ben Franklin's post office. If that isn't enough conflict of interest, he is the former CEO of New Breed Logistics, which did contracting with the United States Postal Service for more than 25 years. Meanwhile, the UP, USPS struggles to meet the daily delivery demands of its essential public service mission. The COVID-19 threat has taken a toll with virus-related absences and, to date, 40,000 quarantined, 6,000 tested positive, and more than 60 employee COVID deaths. And Trump continues his tweet attacks, calling the Postal Service a joke. He's a fucking joke. Oh, sorry. <sighs> the founders put the United States in the... Put the... Sorry. The founders put in the United States Constitution a clause which requires Congress to establish post offices and postal needs. The Postal Service is protected by the Constitution. Something I'm on face. It is evident in polls that there is a strong popular support for the Postal Service. A recent Pew poll gives the UPS, U, USPS a 91% favor, favorability rating and approval of financial aid. The Postal Service is just that, a public service, a not-for-profit, or not a for-profit corporation. Trump has become worried about his re-election, so he's attacking voting by mail. It will allow more people, I'm sorry, to vote. I have something in my fucking lip. I mean, my lip. Uh, let's see. DeJoy's proposed changes, which also include ending Saturday delivery, closing more rural, rural offices, and limiting delivery to more remote areas. Can you believe these bastards? Everything they F and touch, they, they destroy. Everything good. Everything, oh, it's too, it's respected. It's appreciated. It's needed. We gotta kill it. States that allow mail-in votes have the highest percentage of voter participation, and the pandemic will increase the preference of voters to take the mail-in option. Also up for re-election is our 23rd Congressional District incumbent, Tom Reed. He voted no on Moving Forward Act. He votes with Trump. Wait, wait who is this? This must be from some local... 
says he votes with Trump. Where is it? 84, 89.4% of the time. Blah, 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 blah. Thankfully, New York State has extended the no-excuse absentee ballot access through the November election. All right, all right, all right. Whatever. You know. It's just going on. This I can't read this whole thing. Ben Franklin may... Well, the writer sums it up. Ben Franklin may very well have said about the Postal Service what he did about our democracy. It's yours if you can keep it. Well, they're after it, and that's who they are. That's what Republicans do. Decency? Respect? Need? Oh, no, 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 no. All of this is a deliberate attack on our democracy. Well, anyway. Let me just talk to you guys for a second. Or maybe not. Let's see. Let me. I'm looking at the chat. Somebody don't like me. I know that. Who don't like me? Ah, I did get a couple of emails that of people saying they agreed with me about John Lewis. I I don't know. Maybe I'm. Cynical? What? What's the word? Real? I'm not kidding around here. I don't care about platitudes and bullshit. We're trying to restore this country. Yeah, you got to get it away from the fascists. But who made the fascists possible? I don't know. It's like eating right and exercising and losing weight and becoming fit, and then sitting on your ass and doing nothing. And going back to your old habits that made you, I don't know, unhealthy to begin with? So, do you think any functioning society, if a, if a country was working, it would have, uh, it would have a Twitler? Absolutely not. We're here because of the DLC Democratic Party. Absolutely, a thousand percent. We expect the Republicans to do what they do. They're greed-centered ghouls. But you don't really expect the Democratic Party to turn their back on the New Deal to become what? They want to be... It, that's what the whole DLC Democratic Party was about. The new Democrats. Remember? That's how they branded themselves. And proudly so. So why won't they take a bow? I don't know. Could it be that it's now 30 years later and the f we see the end result of everything that they did? It was the DLC Democratic Party. Without that party, without that corporate party, that corporate-owned party, we would not be the least upwardly mobile country. We wouldn't be in the boat that we're in. You can't throw subsidies at broken goddamn po uh, at the whole broken system. 
You're because you know what? When you do that, you're not subsidizing the person. Oh yeah, that person might get a nice subsidy, but you're subsidizing the broken system. You're saying there's nothing nothing to see here. Move along, please. I want to read something. Let's see. Remember Thomas Frank? Oh, before I forget. All right. Hold on. I wanted to... Um, I'm going to be on FYI Nation tomorrow, believe it or not. I'm sorry. It's in my fucking mouth. It's annoying. And let's see. Let me see. At 6 p.m. Eastern... With Thomas Reynolds. Audio activism is a show that helps people promote their creativity. In a time of global pandemic, we need to have a community that helps each other now more than ever. With audio activism, we will help you promote your patron, Patreon and cause. In August, we will have Tara Devlin, me, Bob Kincaid, Britt Summers, Nicole Sandler, and Jeff Waldorf on the show. Learn about what, what they do and why they do it and why you might want to support their Patreon. Audio Activism is on every Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern with a new special guest every week. So that'll be on FYINation.com tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Okay, guys. What do you think of that? All right, Thomas Frank. Listen, remember Thomas Frank? He wrote a book, What's the Matter with Kansas? He wrote another book called Listen Liberal. And it was about, it, it was a rallying cry. It really was a wake-up call, maybe. Where he he challenged the DLC Democratic Party to look at themselves. And he called them out. Let's see. And I encourage everybody to buy that book and, and read it. I want, I'm trying to find an appropriate article that kind of sums it up. Listen, let's see. Thomas Frank, listen, liberal. I know I have a few, what do you call it, clips, but. Here we go. Let me, let's see if this is a good one. This is from the New York Times in 2016, Beverly Gage. Liberals may be experiencing mixed emotions these days. The prospect of a Trump presidency. The prospect. Okay, we'll fast forward. In his new book, the social critic Thomas Frank poses another possibility that liberals in general, and the Democratic Party in particular, should look inward and understand the sorry state of American politics. Too busy attending TED Talks and vacationing in Martha's Vineyard, Frank argues, the Democratic elite has abandoned the party's traditional commitments to the working class. In the process, they have helped to create the political despair and anger that's at the heart of today's right-wing insurgencies. They may have also sown the seeds of their own demise. 
Frank's recent column argues that the Bernie Sanders campaign offers not merely a challenge to Hillary Clinton, but a last-ditch chance to save the corrupted soul of the Democratic Party. Frank's been delivering some version of this message for about two decades as a political essayist and the founding editor of Baffler magazine. Listen Liberal is the thoroughly entertaining, if rather gloomy, work of a man who feels that nobody's been paying attention. Frank's most famous book, What's the Matter with Kansas?, argued that Republicans have duped the white working class by pounding the table on social issues while delivering tax cuts for the rich. He focused on Kansas as the reddest of red states and not incidentally the place of his birth. This time Frank is coming for the Ivy League blue state liberals who uh, that tight little network of enlightened strivers who've allegedly been running the country into the ground. Think of it as a what's the matter with Massachusetts. Books, Frank's book is unabashed, an unabashed polemic, not a stu- studious examination of policy or polling trends. In Frank's view, liberal policy wonks are part of the problem. Members of the well-educated elite that massages its own technocratic vanities while utterly missing the big question of the day. To Frank, that question hasn't changed much over the last few centuries. It is the eternal conflict of management and labor, owner and worker, rich and poor, only with one side pinned to the ground and the other leisurely pounding away at its adversary's face. He writes, Today, polite circles tend to describe this as the issue of, quote, inequality. Frank prefers an older formulation. The 19th century understood better. They called it the social question. He writes, defined as nothing less than the whole vast mystery of how we're going to live together. As Frank notes, today some people are living much better than others, and many of those people are not Republicans. Frank delights in skewering the sacred cows of coastal liberalism, including private universities bike paths, microfinance, the Clinton Foundation, and well-meaning billionaires, and any public policy offering innovation or education as a solution to inequality. He spends almost an entire chapter mocking the true blue city of Boston with its lab coat and starch shirt economy and its well-graduated population of overconfident collegians. Behind all this nasty fun is a serial political critique, echoing the historian Lily Geismer. Yes, Lily Geismer. Frank argues that the Democratic Party was once the party of the people. It now caters to the interests of the professional managerial class consisting of lawyers, doctors, professors, scientists, programmers, and even investment bankers. These affluent city dwellers and suburbanites believe firmly in meritocracy and individual opportunity, but shun the kind of social policies that once gave a real leg up to the working class. In his book, Frank points out that Democrats uh, points to the Democrats' neglect of organized labor and support of NAFTA as examples of this sensibility in which you get what you deserve, and what you deserve is defined by how you did in school. 
In more recent columns, he's linked this neglect to the rise of figures like Bernie Sanders, who forthrightly, um, who says forthrightly what the party leadership might, uh, might prefer to obscure. Current approaches aren't working, and unless something dramatic happens, Americans are heading for a society in which a tiny elite controls most of the wealth, resources, and decision-making power. The problem, in Frank's view, is not simply that mainstream Democrats have failed to address growing inequality. Instead, he, suge he suggests something more sinister. Today's leading Democrats actually don't want to reduce inequality because they believe that inequality is normal and righteous and, and righteous order of things. As proof, he points to the famously in-politic po Larry Summers, whose background as a former president of Harvard, former treasury secretary, and former chief, chief economist of the World Bank embodies all that Frank abhors about modern Democrats. One of the reasons that inequality has probably gone up in our society is that people are treated closer to the way that they are supposed to be treated. What am I saying? Did I say that right? One of it is, is that people are being treated closer to the way that they're supposed to be treated. Some, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. This is a Summers quote. One of the reasons that inequality... Wait a minute. One of the reasons that inequality has probably gone up in our society is that people are treated closer to the way that they're supposed to be treated. This is what he said. Larry Summers. Isn't Larry Summers on Joe Biden's team now? Am I making this up? Let me see. Yep. Yep, 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 uh-huh, yes, Biden advisor series, let's see, Reuters, oh my God, Biden's campaign, <laughs> oh my God, economic advisors includes Larry Mother effing Summers. How's that working for you guys? How's the Clinton years? Oh, some people did well. It was fine. We didn't have an all right, outright, racist, fascist, shitting his diapies on every occasion. Sure, sure, sure. But how did we get here? We got here because of people like Larry Summers. Oh, how did we get to be the least upwardly mobile? Thank you, Larry Summers. How did we get to a point where the wants and needs of working people have no effect on government policy? Because of people like Larry Summers. How did we get to the point where the American people, some of them actually voted for Twitler because they knew that the entire system is broken. They said, I'm going to throw a big orange turd right in the middle of the room. Because it ain't working for me. 
Look at all those billionaires. They're having a great time. But I'm out here in the gig economy working three uniquely American low-paying jobs, and I can't even come close to the standard of living that my grandparent had. So this is why we're divided. Divide and conquer. And well, that's what they do. They, instead of uh, dealing with the economic truths of this country, they throw in all the racists. Uh, you know, keep on fighting each other. Remember, okay, here we go. Larry Summer, whose background is, oh yeah, I read that already. Oh, it's because people are being treated closer to the way they're supposed to be treated. Oh, okay. I got to cut this quote out. That's why we have inequality. People should be treated. People are being treated the way they're supposed to be treated. You know what I mean? And that's why eh, it's all no harm, no foul. It's the way it is. If you're not making it, it's because you're not supposed to make it. It ain't the system. See? The system is just is perfect. It's, it's a well-oiled machine. Look at all those billionaires. Remember as you let that last sentence slide slowly down your throat that this was a Democrat saying this, Frank writes. From this mindset stems everything that the Democrats have done to betray the masses, from Bill Clinton's crime bill and welfare reform to policies uh, to Obama's failure to reign in Wall Street, according to Frank. No surprise under the circumstances that the working class might look elsewhere for satisfying political options. There you go. And that's why when Joe Biden does nothing, to become the most progressive or whatever. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't fulfill the policy, the promise to be the most progressive president since FDR. I could see it. I could see it by the way that we're being treated, by the way progressives are being treated. The way that when I said on their survey, who uh, uh, would you like Joe Biden to pick as a VP? And I responded, Nina Turner, they disenrolled me from the list without me asking. You have been opted out. Have a nice day. Like, I'm not supposed to get, I get Twitter's goddamn emails. I'm not supposed to get Joe Biden's? Frank is hardly the first critic to remark upon uh, a disconnect between the lives of the wealthy liberals and the grittier constituencies they're supposed to serve. As the historian Stephen Fraser demonstrates in his wide-ranging book, The Idea of a Limousine Liberal has long as a long and messy history all its own. The term originated in 1969 when the Democratic candidate Mario Procaccio Procaccio charged the high-born liberal party incumbent John Lindsay, formerly a Republican, with acts unbecoming his social class. Procaccio's accusation differed slightly from Frank's. Procaccio believed that Lindsay genuinely sought ambitious programs to empower the 
poor and the black and the disenfranchised. The problem was that Lindsay did it all from the silk stocking district of the Upper East Side, where his wealth insulated him from the dire consequences of his actions. Through, Though Procaccio lost the mayoral election, his biting phrase went on to have an illustrious political career of its own. Nowadays, Frazier writes Riley, Hillary Clinton serves as Exhibit A of this menace, the quintessential limousine liberal. Despite its title, lim- oh, excuse me, limousine, this is what he writes, limousine liberal hypocrite. Despite its title, however, Frazier's book is not really about liberals and their supposed foibles. Instead, he seeks to describe how right-wing populists have insulated, vilified, mocked, and analyzed those liberals, both past and present. According to Frazier, suspicion of high-born reformers extends back to at least the progressive era when the idea of an activist government administered by well-educated experts began to take hold. Since then, these villains of American consciousness have labored under the variety of epithets, parlor pinks, Mercedes Marxists, men in striped pants. In each iteration, what seems to drive the attacks is not only the the tincture, tincture of hypocrisy, but the unrestrained confidence with which such liberals express their expert views. In that sense, Frank's fuming at the smug knowledge workers of Boston might have come straight from the pages of the National Review, circa 1955. Okay, well, this goes on and on. I can't read the whole thing. I'll put it in our Discord page. That's the, the point is, I'm talking about what exactly Thomas Frank was talking about in his book, Listen, Liberal, about shaving the Democratic Party from itself and thereby shaving the goddamn country. I'll, I'll read the last two paragraphs. Frank's book ends on a pessimistic note. After two decades of pleading with liberals to think seriously about inequality to honor what was best about the New Deal, Frank has concluded that things will probably continue to get worse. The Democrats have no interest in reforming themselves in a more egalitarian way, he writes. There is little the rest of us can do, given the current legal arrangements of the country, to build a vital third-party movement or to revive organized labor. But this conclusion, too, may rest on faulty, a faulty analogy with the 1930s, Franklin Roosevelt did not suddenly decide on his own on his own to enact social security or grant union rights. Those ideas came up from below through decades of frustration and struggle and conflict. If Americans want something different from their politicians, there's no alternative to this kind of exhausting, uncertain hard work. In the end, it is the only way that liberals or conservatives will listen. And that's exactly what we're doing here you get it guys we are pushing that or at least trying to now you have progressives on the democratic party uh the democratic party um, platform committee and they're being pushed away pushed out man there goes there goes the time And so that's why I ask you to support the show. 
This is how we're going to push them and motivate them and educate the DLC Democrats. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you very much for hanging out and supporting the show at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. We stick together. We win because we will win. That's what they know. We're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of democracy. And we are on the right side of humanity. That's why they have to fight us. I'll see you very soon. All right, that's the end of the show. Before, I don't know. I'm kind of in a, uh, in a bad mode. What else is new? I'm, a, I'm pissed off. What can you do? Let me spend a couple of minutes, though, in the chat room here. Seeing everybody. Let's see what I missed. See if who else cursed me out in the chat room. Okay. Let me see. Looking for you guys. All right. Thanks for dropping it. Z oh, Zenny on the chat. That's a new n name I've seen. This chat is cool. Mom, mom. New person. Haiku is there. I don't talk much because I have problems with shame. Mom, mom says, what? Don't worry about it. Mom, mom. Don't be shame. No shame in the game. We're all among friends here. Come join us on the Discord, too, Mom Mom. And everybody, too. If you're not already on Discord, you can connect with us in between shows. Let's see. Just like... Let's see. All right. Zenny says, just some like-minded, intelligent folks discussing the affairs of the day. Yes. Peter Griffin says, I see the deal for the USPS loan is to give the Republican administration their delivery list, probably just to hand them off to private companies. That's the truth. God help us all. That should be the post office. I'm out walking. Kaya, Patricia says. Freudian slip. Oh my God. See what I got to put up with around here? <laughs> yes. Patricia says, GOP is out to kill anything that is good. And yes, they are. So that's why we need a show. To warn people, to tell people, to spread the news of progressivism, to take back the mantle of patriotism unapologetically. All right. I want to thank you all for hanging out. Let me thank all the super chatters. Thank you, Jim. Of course, thank you, Joey, for your incredible super chat. And Shannon, thank you. Thank you, Haiku. Thank you, JD. And I love that you're super chatting in pounds. That makes me happy. Thank you, Stephen, for your... Very generous super chat. Steven says, cats rule humans. Absolutely. 
Jim, thank you for another super chat for the sweary tip jar. Thank you, Shannon. Once again, another super chat. Thank you, Spectrum86. Watched landlords blocked going to court in Louisiana. That's interesting. There's so much more to talk about. That's why it's hard. Saturdays are tough. That, and I ask you all to become patrons. Thank you, Patricia. Again, another super chat. Much appreciated and needed. Vital to keep the show going. Now, if you want us to have a daily show, we need more patrons. We need about a thousand more of you. Then we'll be able to do a daily show. And the way it stands... We, I, I do the Saturday show, and then we'll, I do as many shows during the week as I possibly can. This week, coming up, is going to be a tight one. So, I'll try to do as many as I can. And thank you, Matthew, I see on Facebook chat, says, just caught the end of the show, we'll be back. Thank you. Go over to YouTube, find us on YouTube. Let me see, if maybe I can put that in there. That's where I... Uh, most of the chatters are hanging out. You can subscribe and like the show and hit the notification bell so when we do a show during the week, you'll get notified. And also you can listen to the Progressive Voices show. You can listen to us on iTunes. Us, me. Me and Tara Jr. Jr. and Francis Jr. Jr. All right, I got to go. I'm tired. I'm really depressed too about lo about life, about the way this country's going. The DNC committee really got me down. Uh, all right. Hopefully I'll see you Monday. We'll see what happens. If somebody becomes a patron, I try to do a show as much as I can. Well, there's more. There's so much more to talk about. You know it. We're building a community, too. That's why I ask you all to, I don't know, share the show with your friends. Because we have to get the word out that we are the real patriots. We have the remedies. Not only that built the middle class, but will restore the middle class and also begin, at least, to heal this nation. Leaving no one behind. Not a, a not not a um, looking at each other as African American or low income American or whatever the hell they say American. All American, everybody in, nobody out. That's how you do it. The policies that we have that have us so divided were deliberately enacted to keep people separate. Funding education through property taxes. That's, that was a deliberate racist policy. That a female VP ain't gonna fix. Well, just by being a female VP. We would already have universal health care, if not for racist-ass policies. All of this. All of this. And plus the attacks on unions. That's another... That's just how they divided people and tried to get them not to join unions. Literally saying, do you want to call an N-word your brother? 
It's all been racism. That's been our original sin, and we have to overcome it together. E pluribus unum. Everybody in. Nobody out. Thank you so much, guys, for hanging out. And thank you, Joey Bay, for winning the Super Chat tonight. Don't be a baby. (laughs) From now on, when we discuss the progressive policies, I'll have this baby, this baby sound effect. They'll be like, "Ah, I want Medicare for all. I don't want corporate money. All right. We're building a show. All right. My, I can't, I keep saying, all right, all right. Guys, I got to get the show ready for Progressive Voices. That's why I got to run. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you all for hanging out. Please become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. And also join us on Discord. Everything else. Like and share the show with your friends. Blah, blah, blah. And remember, we are on the right side of history. We are on the right side of democracy. We stick together. We win. I will see you very soon.